This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday, it's the 6th of December 2023. Coming up today, it's the launch of Site Tech Global and also another of David Ward's buying guides for the Fire TV stick. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, it's another cold day in the shed, I'm betting, because uh, I know it's cold here and I have an actual house to sit inside. All right, don't flaunt it over me, you're sat in a house. Yes, I'm sat in a freezing cold shed. But you know what, I don't care, because it feels Christmassy. Being miserable and cold is Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, all you need are uh, the family round, and uh, you've kind of got it sussed, right? <laughs> Just get the family into the shed, and uh, there you go. You know what? Problem it, it, solved. It does feel Christmassy, though. There is something about that cold chill, that snap in the air, that makes me think of Christmas. It's lovely. I know, but you think about people who live in Australia, right? Our lovely listeners in Australia, New Zealand. G'day. G'day. That's not uh, stereotypical at all. I don't know what else they say in, in New Zealand. I mean, I think in New Zealand, they pretty much took all of our Scottish language and just made that their own. Oh, because that's yeah, it's true though. That's true because like so many what? people. Give me an no, example. no, but don't you know the the history? I mean, I really probably part myself in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> this is dangerous. Go and on. My tires have been stolen, um, and I can't get out. Uh, but no, the, the history is that a lot of people went from Scotland to New Zealand. That's where you know Dunedin, for example, the old name of for Edinburgh. That oh. is, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, that's so. That's as far as I know. To be honest, I, I watched a bit of a documentary one night and. As you know, when you watch a documentary, you're an expert on everything. Ah, there we go. A little bit of knowledge for you from Double Tap. That is a change. But the point is, right, in those countries, it is roasting hot at at, uh, Christmas because it's their summer. I know. That makes no sense to me. I I don't get it. You can't have a Christmas dinner with gravy, mashed potato, roast honey, parsnips. Oh, I love them, by the way. Brussels sprouts, I can't get enough of. How can you eat that in the warm weather? It's just wrong. I'd like to try. I would like to try. Oh, yeah. Sorry, year, I was expecting like something else. Try. You'd like to try to eat that in the boiling hot sun. <laughs> actually, I'd give it a good go as well. Yeah, I think it'd be quite nice, actually. Um, I mean, saying that with climate change, uh, you know, you give it a couple of episode, months. You keep bringing it up. I, I think it's because I'm, I'm, I'm willing the warmer weather. Not to the extent where my country is okay, on fire. Let's quickly, quickly move on. Happy <sighs> Wednesday, Stephen Scott. You know what? I'm happy today. I'm excited today because today is the day where I learn of my new combat division ranking in Night Manager, the Echo Skill (sighs) uh, game that I'm really addicted to. You know what? I can't get enough of it. I'm constantly, to a degree that now other people in the house are complaining that they can't activate the echo because i'm hogging it <laughs> i every three seconds i issue a command i've recorded myself talking to it and i play it back for hours on end technically cheating yes but you know what it saves time so i do right i, I want to i want to find well here's the thing right? i want you to i want to treat you like chat gpt for a second explain this to me like i'm a five-year-old explain what is what? this game this game, okay, so it's an. What echo- is the purpose of it? Well, it's an echo skill game, and you're managing your medieval knights. And do you know what? It's the most um, popular 
I would say, I've got no stats behind this, but I would say it's the most popular Echo skill out there for gaming. It's very sort of dungeon. No stats, no facts. Uh, no, no, I've got Remember no yesterday reason I said you're this. an absolute star in the knowledge you bring. <laughs> you really, you know, it was funny actually. Form. I, I had to say, you know, for people who call us the the uh, on-air uh, husband and husband uh you know, family that this, yes. this has become. I nearly almost said to you yesterday, it occurred to me, I nearly said the line to you, even after all these years, you still surprise me. <laughs> I was just like, I was, that line was on the tip of my tongue yesterday. So glad I didn't say it. But today you've managed so to bring me back. So it feels like a normal marriage here where I feel like Seven I've, year I've itches back. stopped yes. respecting you again. <sighs> okay. It's, it's just a very cool Dungeons and Dragons style. There's so much to do in it. It's very, very addictive. I love okay. that game. Look me up, Sean of the Shed on there. Uh, challenge me to a battle. Yeah, he knows his username on Night Manager, on Mastodon. No idea. <laughs> well, you still haven't told me. I blame we'll get you. To it. Uh, listen, uh, guess what? Uh, no, I think if this button's the right one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I bought oh. something this week. Um, it's my birthday the weekend. Did you know that? I, I don't often talk about my birthday because you get to an age where you kind of don't care anymore. But, you know, I thought I'd mention it this time because, you know what, it's my birthday, right? I'm, I'm going to celebrate my birthday. I'm going away at the weekend. My wife and I are going to spend some time with some nice friends. We're going to have a nice time. Oh, not uh, Sean, me. you're not invited. Yes. Um, and it's going to be great. So, uh, yeah, so I, I bought myself a present. For my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Okay, what have you bought yourself? Can I just say, as well as, well as <laughs> today being the is. day that I find out my combat division ranking on Night Manager, yes. it's also my partner Sarah's birthday. So happy birthday, Aww, Sarah, which is obviously more important birthday. than my combat division. Just a bit, yeah, you've kind of got, I think you got your ranking wrong on that one considerably. <laughs> happy uh, birthday. No, definitely happy birthday to Sarah. Um, I didn't realise we were so close with the birthdays there, you go. It's like I know, good it's people beautiful. In December. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Best people in December. All right, calm down. Um, anyway, I bought myself this thing. Uh, oh, jings. Almighty. Cribbing on. Yeah. <laughs> Help my bulb. Um, let me open this up. Okay. This isn't. I'm getting okay. a fabric uh, sense Ooh, from this. It, it does very good. Are you blind? Yeah. <laughs> um, hang on. Let me just give you a, a sense it's here. Not so a two, box. two things in here, right? So two things. First one, I'll, I'm going to rub it against the mic for you. Doesn't really do anything. No. Um, I'm going to. I'm, I tell you, what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to put it over the mic so you can't hear. <gasps> You're now wearing it. Okay. Is it a brand new microphone muff? No. No? <laughs> Although okay. it could be. It is now. Um, it is now, yeah. What oh, can you fit nice. over a microphone? What can uh, you put over that's fabric over the top of a microphone? Mm. And it's a treat you've bought for yourself. So I'm this saying. This is something if, I've bought. If you've bought yourself socks, that's incredibly sad. It's Well, socks wouldn't go over a microphone. Well, they could, I suppose. But no, yes. these, that's not. But think, you're, you're kind of in the, in the area. Not in the right area, but you're in the area of... Oh, please don't be let's underpants. Say, let's just say clothing. Yeah, let's say clothing, not underpants, no. Bobble hat. Well, do you know what? I'm going to give you that. Thank um, you. I'm Thank going you. to give you that. It's a hat, but it doesn't have a bobble. Oh, bobbleless hat. It's a bobble. <laughs> it's I know I'm hat. getting old. I know I'm getting old because I'm now buying myself hats. And what do you often buy when you buy hats? Gloves, sir. Gloves. Oh. Fingerless gloves. Well, I never understood that. Why Why fingerless gloves? I mean, that's well, basically just palm warmers then, aren't they? Yeah, that, that's it. And this is from a, this is a, a brand, I don't know if it's a brand or not, I assume it is, called Heat Holders. Oh. Um, and I bought these because I wanted the heat to be held 
in my hands. <laughs> and I thought that would perform the function. <laughs> that pretty much describes gloves. <laughs> yeah. Unless, of course, you cut the fingers off uh, where they're suddenly colder again. But, I don't but, understand. Listen, listen yes. right, so outside, you know that thing with gloves, right? So often they get that kind of woolly feeling to them or that kind of, you know, that feeling you have. And they get a bit itchy after a while. Okay. Um, these fleece inside. Fleece oh, oh, very nice. A bit of luxury, sir. Now, are they for wearing inside? Is your office feeling a little bit chilly there, or are they for outside? No, it's just, I was outside. Um, when was I outside? It's been a while. Um, I was outside a while ago, and it was cold. And I thought, I can't. You know, you know that way when it moves from summer into autumn, and then autumn becomes winter in like basically a day. Breaking news. And Yes. yes, right. And then you kind of go outside and you're still kind of in that summer mode or at least the autumn mode yeah. where you're kind of going outside and you think, oh, you know, I could I could do a jacket with a T-shirt under it. I'll be fine. A pair of hot pants and, on. Yeah, absolutely. And you're out, pink ones, and you're outside <laughs> and you just think, wow, it's freezing out here. <laughs> so I need a hat and gloves immediately. But I've always struggled to find a hat that I liked. And um, yeah, this one... <laughs> Mm, smells Don't nice. smell it. That's mm. weird. Okay. Oh, so smelling is nice. And then I've got the so it's kind of woolly outside and a fleece on the inside. <gasps> That's going to be so cosy. I am going to turn the heating off tonight and just wear that. Fingerless gloves and hat. And possibly stand around a flaming bin of some sort. A brazier, I believe it's called. And drink vodka out of a bottle in a brown paper bag. That That's would how be I lovely. live my life. Do not judge me. <laughs> But, you know, I will say the fingerless gloves are great if you're a cane user because you still get the feeling of the cane. You don't lose all of that. You can still use a touchscreen on your phone. A lot of benefits to not having that. Yeah, but your fingers are freezing. Now, as a man of a certain age, arthritis is an issue in my fingers. Mm. And I've noticed that my gloves just aren't up to it anymore in certain temperatures. So I've been looking for some heated uh, gloves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, are they expensive. I thought they would be... I thought they would be dirt cheap by now. You know, USB, little battery pack in them, nice and warm and toasty. But um, no, they are quite expensive. But then again, it, there, there's nothing worse than gloves that don't work. And fingerless gloves for me, sir, are exactly that. I just don't see the point. You can use your, your touchscreen easier, but there's gloves out there that are touchscreen compatible. They have little bits of metal woven into the fabric so you can use a touchscreen. Yeah, but you, so for me, it's the cane, right? It's about the cane and getting the sensitivity of the cane. You don't yeah, get that with gloves. Of course you do. No, How you thick don't. Well, are I don't. Gloves? Well, the thick, well, the ones I used to have mm. were very thick. And if you had leather gloves, for example, hopeless. No, you don't want that. You want to have fingerless gloves because you want to make sure you're still getting the same information through the cane. Information. But these, because they're, fl- you don't understand. You, you need to I get OM training, my friend. Would. You need to get um, OM training immediately. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is as well. Yeah, you tell me. I will tell you. I'll tell you what it is as well. It's snowed here, right, the last few days, and people cleared their paths. What, in winter? Yes, yes. I'm not saying that's breaking news. I didn't say that was breaking news. I'm simply laying down (laughs) my story. So, and people clear their driveways, right, all the way and through the sidewalk. But what they do is they heap the snow on there. So there's like mountains of frozen solid snow out there. You just simply fall over, or your cane digs into. It's a please stop clearing your driveways. It's a hazard. There, I've said it. Yeah, just stay at home. Don't go out. I mean, see, you clear your driveway, 
of snow and then it freezes and it's slippy you want you want that purchase of snow there it's better to have snow there obviously the i don't know if you're, snow. Mm. If you're a, a a car driver then obviously there may be some uh, thing there but i don't know i hate well, who it. cares about car drivers it's wow. a show for blind people. I'm interested in car drivers. Yes, <laughs> Sorry, I'm more interested care. in the sidewalk, and that mountain of snow makes it really difficult. I'm for the bus driver. I'm for the taxi driver. That's oh, who I'm for. You're the everyman, Stephen Scott. You're a hero. Exactly, that's right. With my fingerless gloves and my hat and my burning <laughs> bin, I am going to be a happy man this Christmas. Um, okay, so I want to mention a story that I saw. This just made me laugh out loud. And I don't even know if this is true. I don't believe anything anymore because who knows on the internet? Who knows? Yeah. But this is the story. It's reported in, was it 95Mac.com reporting this? So uh, a man in Washington, D.C. last month was the victim of an armed robbery which is not good, of course. That's not the bit I was laughing at. Yeah, that's not um, very lol at the minute, It's not Stephen. very lol, no. Um, I need Laura to do that for me. Lol. She's so good at that. Uh, but yeah, the man in Washington, D.C. was the victim of an armed robbery in which the thief stole everything he had in his pockets, including his car keys and smartphone. The one bit of good news was that it was an Android phone. This is the article, not me saying this. Oh. And the thieves wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> As reported by ABC7, the Washington, D.C. couple has not to be identified, no wonder. Uh, the wife has said that she had finished working into the early morning hours and her husband insisted he meet her outside of their apartment to park the car. When he parked the car and started walking back to the apartment, two masked gentlemen approached him and were armed with guns. Goodness me. Gen- gentlemen. Uh, two masked gentlemen. Two masked gentlemen. <laughs> Excuse me, dear. Could I possibly trouble you for a second? I would rather quite like a new phone. Um, oh, Android? Oh, dear. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can keep that. Um, yeah, so they robbed him, took everything he had in his pockets, took the keys to my truck. I'm guessing that's uh, his wife's truck. And got in and, and drove away. Uh, but before driving off, the thieves took a look at the phone they had just stolen and promptly handed it back to the husband. They looked at the phone and were like, oh, that's an Android. We don't want this. We thought it was an iPhone. How dare you? You take my phone. I don't want it back. Now, of course, we should say that even though her husband got the phone back, the woman says the event turned their lives upside down. And no wonder at all, because I'm sure it was absolutely terrifying. Of but, course. I mean, kind of funny, though, that the thieves threw an Android phone back at someone. I mean, it kind of, that's what? a bit of a weird situation, right? Well, I would simply say, what can people do with smartphones these days if they do get stolen? And yeah. tracking is a lot easier. It may be just in case they didn't want to be tracked. Find my yeah. uh, Android phone. <laughs> I, no. I saw a great comment the other day from someone who said, you know, the thing about my, <laughs> my iPhone app is, why is it on the iPhone? Um, <laughs> you can do with it somewhere else. <laughs> you can access. Do you know what, though? That's something I've never really played with, and I really should, because it's those times where you've lost it and you start to panic, and you should have some sort of um, familiarity of what to do in that situation, right? Yeah, yeah. I Honestly, I, I haven't ever really played with find my well i've uh, used it on the well on icloud.com of course you can find use the find yes. my in there so you can find and i have done that before because i did once lose my phone and uh well i left it in a taxi and uh tracked it that way which was great um but i've also uh, you know and it's funny because find my goes beyond that now it used to be just iphones now of course you can have your devices people as well yeah i mean i think the weirdest thing is when i say to my phone every so often where's my wife 
and it tells me exactly where my wife is. And I think that's just, it's kind of creepy and wonderful all at the same time. Yeah, but it's all got to be approved by the other person, right? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's right. No, exactly. That's, very that's important. important. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, I, I, I'm not making light of the just in case because before I get the emails, I'm not making light of no, a robbery. No, that's a terrible that's situation. And those people, but, by the way, scumbags. Exactly, total scumbags, yes. and you know, I, I think we shouldn't even call them gentlemen. I think that is maybe I know that was just so a very, weird. A, a, a very um, nice thing to say by the person who was robbed. It's like Charles um, Dickens. He's yeah, too that's gentlemen. right. Too much. It did feel a bit like that, didn't it? It felt like the Christmas Carol all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, horrible very, people. Horrible, yes. horrible thing. I have to say, it's never happened to me yet, and I say yet because who knows, right? But I know people have gone through this, and it does. It absolutely. Uh, it, it just. And I don't get, I, do, I don't know why people steal iPhones. I'm, I'm with you on this. I don't get why they steal them. What's the value? Because if I can, if I can call up my carrier and say, my iPhone's been stolen, they can disable the SIM. They can probably disable the phone potentially as well. Apple certainly can. Yes, your IMEI number can be blocked. It cannot be used other than what for an iPod, if you can get past the unlock screen at all. That's the other thing, yeah. I mean, it does I'm, make you think, right? You've got to make sure. You, and it's funny because I was talking to a blind guy a while back on a train about this. He said, "Oh, I don't put a, a passcode in my phone because it's just another layer of hassle for me to try and log into my phone using that passcode." Mm. And it was a, an iPhone SE he had, so he didn't even have the Face ID option. And I said, "Look, it's not about. I get why you're saying that, and I understand it. He just wanted it. It, it was something that had come up in a conversation that I had had on the show as well." about, you know, being able to just leave the phone in your pocket and say have a Bluetooth keyboard, you know, just pull out the Bluetooth keyboard on the train and get to work. That's fine because you can do that. And of course, you can type in using the Bluetooth keyboard. You can type in the passcode. So that's one way of doing it. But, you know, you kind of want to avoid the whole Touch ID thing. And that was his point. I just want to have the phone in my pocket, not have to worry about Touch ID or any of that stuff. But what it actually does is it locks you out of a lot of areas of the phone. So a lot of things you won't be able to do or not be as easily able to do because you haven't got any passcodes set up. So, you know, your passwords and things, you know, all the things that are locked away, they're now open. And that's the problem, right? So you, you've unsecured areas of your phone. You've areas where it may be difficult to use your phone or you might not even be able to use it at all. I don't know how Apple Pay would work in a situation like that. Um, yes, no, I think you need something. Nuts, yeah, some sort of security. I'm thinking about banking apps, even though they do have their own PIN codes for entry, most of them. Um, you, I'm not sure if they would work if you didn't have a security code on your phone in the first place. It is very, I, I totally understand it. Sometimes it is a pain. I it hate is. it when my face ID doesn't work and I've got to enter the passcode. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, it takes a second though, right? And the, the benefits to it is amazing. It's funny, my parents, when I went home recently, they lost their bank card somewhere. And, um, you know, they had to go through the hassle of cancelling it and blah, blah, blah. And I keep saying to them, why don't you just use your smartphone to pay? Why, why mm. don't you add it to there? Oh, no, 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 I, I, no, I'm not doing that. They are very paranoid, which is good in some ways about hackers and scams and all that. that but I kept making the point that, do you know how much more secure it is to use um, you know, your smartphone to pay than it is? Because you've lost your card, and over here, at least in the UK, anyone could just pick up that card, tap it, against mm-hmm. a, a yep. pin card reader they don't have to enter the pin no one even looks at the name on the card you simply tap it and you've paid that but is... you do have the bank details you do have the yeah in some cases you might even have the sort code the account number you've got the, the 16 digit card number on there you've got the name 
Uh, you know, you could do some internet digging, find out the person's address if you really wanted to, if you were that way minded. It's and then you so would have much more way, secure. way, way too much information on that individual. And that could be dangerous. To use your smartphone to pay. Except but, people but, are scared but, of technology in a lot. Scared of technology, but think it through, right? So, I mean, we do this and we don't even think about it. But it's funny because spending some time with my mum and dad, setting up some smart kit from them at home, kind of really brings to light the challenges some of this technology has with people. You know, it, it's not, you know, I, and it goes back to this conversation about people being able to use smartphones. I don't think it's about using the smartphone that's the problem. I think sometimes it's the way the smartphone demands that you operate. So, for example, I have, uh, my dad has uh, an iPhone, he's got the Apple Pay on it, and he never uses it. And it's because the way it works is, obviously, if you if you go into a store, for example, you have to double-click the side button. Now, yes. he has Parkinson's. That's quite difficult for him to do. Yes. Uh, so maybe there's no way around that. We haven't found it yet. But, you know, he'd have to double-click the side button. He'd then have to get Face ID, so get the phone in front of him so that Face ID recognises him, which is always too quick, I think, because it's kind of assuming the phone is always in a position to be able to see you. But, of course, for people who have low vision, for example, the phone is close to them, all that kind of thing, it, yeah. can, it, it won't trigger right away. So you have to get your phone in position. So it's like a three-step process. You have to double-click that side button, you got to see the card. Then it says, you know, face ID, hold near reader if you, if it goes through that. And then you hold it to the reader and it scans. And that sounds easy. But that's quite a process for a lot of people. And especially in a, like, a high pressure, you know, I'm buying something in a store. There's a queue of people behind me. You know, it's warm. I've got all this stuff to think about, you know, and just everything else in life, right? And then you've got, you know, this to deal with as well. It, it seems simple to us. But I don't think it's simple to a lot of other people. Well, yeah, but what's the difference between that and using the traditional way of either getting your banking card out of your wallet, um, slotting it into the card reader, typing in your PIN? I mean, is that any less of a hassle? I think more people are used to using the PIN because they've been doing it for longer. Yes. So the idea of put the card in, enter the PIN, hit enter. Yeah, it's still a process, but I think it's a more understandable process. It makes sense to do that. I don't know if it makes sense or it's just more familiar. It's just something yeah, that, no, actually, do you know what you're done. right. That's absolutely right. And it's plus now I've noticed the move towards, especially as we see more uh, use of card readers and contactless payment in um, in taxis and things like this, more mobile environments rather than bricks and mortar stores. We I've seen a lot of move into these touchscreen card readers, where if mm. you do need to enter your oh, pin, God, yeah. you've got no hope. There's no accessibility built in. There's no tactile physical buttons on it. Um, you are goosed, basically, to bring it back to the festive mood. Um, yeah. So, you know, contactless is the only way to go. i got to say, I haven't used cash in years. No, I mean, I, I, no. I, I love the new way of doing it. But I will say, when it comes down to my parents, it, it, of course there is that there. They are not very into their technology. But... I, th I find they're more worried by the mainstream news that you see out there. Everyone is, uh, this has been hacked, that's been hacked, this has been hacked. And of course, that there is truth to that. But a lot of the time, it's there's a lot of spin to almost fear-mongering about that. And as I said, my parents are petrified of giving away any information to the detriment of some of, of themselves sometimes. Well, you know, going back to that Washington story, I think the key thing to take away from that is make sure your phone has a passcode on it at least ideally touch id if you have that option with uh, say an iphone se uh, android phones of course have the joy that you know like the google pixel 8 pro i've got has got both it's got touch id and face id 
and a pin code. It's got all three. Yes. It's got so much security on it, actually, which is kind of cool. That would be ideal for me. I love Face ID. I think it works absolutely fine, but it's not as convenient as Touch ID. There's no getting away from that. It's one of the things I love about the Android, right? You, you, they're kind of ahead on that. And I think there's still a little bit of concern, I think, around the uh, capability or, or the security of that Touch ID fingerprint sensor under the screen. I, I still don't think we're 100% there, but certainly I'd say 80 to 90% there in terms of security, probably even 90 to 95, arguably. But there's still room for error on that. I think Apple are a bit more strict on Touch ID. It seems to be better in some ways. Um, certainly more secure overall. So they haven't built it under the screen yet because maybe they just don't think the technology is there at this point. Yeah. I don't know. But that's clearly something that's going to come over time. And I'd like to see it come back to the iPhones because I think for a lot of people, Touch ID is just so much easier. Uh, more understandable in some ways. And, I just you want know, to see face ID's Yeah, exactly. I want worlds. both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? Why? I, you know what's going to happen, don't you? It's going to come out in a pro phone. It's going to oh, come yeah, out in a pro. Course, They're not yes. going to bring it out in the 16 or the 17. They'll bring it out in the 17 Pro. The most know? secure phone ever. Exactly. That You can just see the advertising. It's all <laughs> going to happen. It's, there's rumour as well of the new iPhone SE 4 again. This seems to bubble up every so often and then disappear. Uh, we generally see that at the start of a year. I've found this before. It tends to be the beginning of the year, kind of February, March time. You start to see the new iPhone. Uh, the first iPhone of the year is usually the first budding iPhone yes. is the SE. <laughs> yeah. um, and we're two years on from the last one, 2022 model. So by that point, we'll be up to the 2024 version. The talk is it will be, you know, some kind of almost uh, this kind of talk of it being like an iPhone 15 type device. Maybe even iPhone 14, maybe even a 13 mini type device. Who knows? Nothing but would shock going, me. It's not going to have the Touch ID sensor in the place it had it before. That seems to be the resounding theme of the rumours. That's gone now, yes. It, it's gone. Or, or, well, it may not be gone. It may be like the iPad mini where it's at the top right on the on the actual power button. That's, it makes might move so it much there. sense to me to have it there. I mean, because you, you automatically do it every time you unlock your screen. I mean, That's right. Yeah, it's kind of part of the the process. I I did like the old SE. I must say, I kind of kind of wish they didn't change that. Um, I, I read today as well that the uh, the the first iPhone SE is now considered vintage and obsolete. Or oh. is it obsolete? Actually, I think it may be obsolete. Does that mean it's worth vintage. lots of money on eBay? I hope so. I've got one in the cupboard. <laughs> I've got to get that. I was looking at my iPhone twelve. Oh, it just feels so vintage and obsolete now. That's tiny, by the way, the iPhone 12 mini. Yeah. But it doesn't last, you know, an hour um, unless it's plugged in. I need to replace the battery, but I don't know. The battery replacement just seems quite expensive for what it is. And then do you think, well, if I go to a third-party repair shop, do I run into issues later on down the line where suddenly, Mm. oh, it's not an original Apple battery and we're going to stop it from booting up or whatever it may be? It's um, it's difficult, right? Yeah. I remember my first Motorola G6 that I really, really loved using. Or G5, I think it was, actually. And it had the user-replaceable battery in it. It was so good. That's got to be the next move from the EU, hasn't it? we got USB-C. Oh, that's going to be the next thing. I mean, replaceable batteries just make so much sense. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, let's not go down that route. I could be ranting. I know, I know. Oh, and by the way, if you find yourself in a situation like that, just give your stuff to the gentleman and make Uh, sure you're you're safe. It's not important. 
It is so true. I mean, you know, in those situations, it is best just to do it. And, you know, you think as horrible as it is, and, you know, my family have gone through experiences like this. I haven't, but my, my members of my family have. And the best thing is to just relent and just give them what they want because at the end of the day, there's there's no point fighting for it. You know, cards and wallets, you know, just think, I always, I always think, try and, you know, think ahead a little bit. So what's in your wallet? Think about what's in your wallet today. What's important to you that you keep in that wallet? Maybe take it out of the wallet. Keep it at home. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be on your physical person all the time. No. You know, if you've got a picture that you will never be able to replace and it's the most important picture you could ever have of a family member, put it in the house. Yes. Take Keep a picture it of it somewhere. Scan exactly. It, Take a picture up, of the picture. And absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and you've always true. got it, you know, because that's it. I mean, even, even, I mean, if you could drop your wallet in a, a puddle, and it would have the same impact, right? It would destroy that picture. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to you got to sometimes think ahead a little bit, you know, and just just think a little bit forward it's because just stuff. It's fine if it goes. Yeah. It goes. You 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 are irreplaceable, Stephen Scott. No, you are. No, you are. In fact, no, you are replaceable. I think that's what we're oh, trying to. Do. Let me just sorry. check in on that one. Yeah. He says he says it's replaceable. <laughs> uh, right. Look, stick around. Up next, we're talking about SciTech Global, and David Ward is back with another of his buying guides for the festive season. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap on Air and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Okay, I'm feeling festive. I don't know about you, Priest, but uh, I uh, want to talk about... Uh... <laughs> well, I was until you called me Priest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm feeling festive. And uh, David Ward is here from the Ecotips podcast uh, as we uh, set fire to a bin and warm our hands with our fingerless gloves. Uh, we listen to the Fire TV Stick Buying Guide from David Ward. Hello, Stephen and Sean and you Double Tap listeners. This is David Ward from Across the Pond bringing you just kind of a neat little buying guide for not Amazon Echoes this time or those types of devices, which I'm very much involved with, uh, with my podcast and uh, just in daily living, but something known as the Fire TV Stick line of devices. So this is smart TVs that can be accessible, have wonderful features along with a screen reader and even a magnification client, which is really kind of cool kind of like a zoom text or something like that or windows magnifier built into it so these sticks have just been revised and they would augment a tv a dumb tv to make it a smart tv or if you have a smart tv that's got a little old and slow or doesn't have some of those features like the screen reader and the like this would be a great tool it just plugs into the hdmi port and has a separate little power dongle that you can plug in and then off to the race as you go. So these were just revised in the fall of 2023. It is the Fire TV, that's one word, a 4K stick. And then the more a premium model is known as the Fire TV 4K Stick Max. And here in the United States, the price of the Max lately has been on sale for $39. I would imagine you find corresponding discounts in, in uh, Europe and uh, also in Canada. Uh, and uh, the Fire TV 4K, the more base model, was actually selling for a few days ago for $24, but I've seen it bumped up to $49 again. So that's the traditional non-sale price. So just be careful about that. 
Now, what is the principal difference between the two? Well, with the newer processor, you're going to, you know, if you've been finding your screener a little laggy on your older models, you're going to probably see that evaporate. But the principal difference between the 4K and the 4K Max model is the Max has twice the storage on it. So if you're going to be installing a lot of different apps for television viewing or some sort of local storage that you might use, it has twice the onboard storage. It also has uh, probably some higher fidelity, uh, certain components or codecs. I think that's been discussed in past Double Tap episodes by other listeners. But the one thing that jumped out at me is it supports Wi-Fi 6E, which is a new standard, which has a 6 gigahertz radio spectrum. So if you're in an apartment complex or a high volume area where there's lots of different Wi-Fi signals and things like that, and you were doing some upgrades on your Wi-Fi anyway, Bear in mind, this Fire TV 4K Max stick does support that new Wi-Fi standard 6E. So that may be especially interesting to you. Well, anyway, just figured I'd bring those to the fore as some really good deals. Uh, and of course, they have the wonderful accessibility features built in as well. Anywho, back to you, Stephen and Sean. Love the show and rock on. Thank you, David. Appreciate your contributions as always. Fantastic contributions. David, of course, the host of the Echo Tips podcast. Sean, you love your Fire TV sticks. You've bought hundreds of them, millions, and quadrillions. Have. Well, look, look, they're a great option. They are accessible, as David says. Uh, don't, don't roll back on it now. No, no, no. no. Well, I, I said just the other day, I've got loads of them, but I barely use them because I always roll <laughs> back to my Apple TV. So I don't want to sound like a hypocrite and say, yes, yes, I use them all the time because I don't. But they are accessible option. And for me, the main thing, they are incredibly affordable and they give you access to those streaming services in a nice, accessible way. So they're definitely an option. Well, uh, fantastic, David. And as I say, check out the Ecotips podcast. Thank you so much for sending in those contributions. Beautiful. Remember, of course, our holiday gift guide specials are next week, 11th and 12th of December. I am going to tell you right now, I have an earworm for you that you are going to either love me or hate me for. Probably both, but more likely heat. Uh, I'm saying nothing. I'm I'm staying incredibly (laughs) silent because I've heard it and wow, I kind of hate you. I'm kind of singing it all day already, which is a problem. <laughs> um, Site Tech Global gets underway today and tomorrow. It is a fantastic online and free conference, which is all about uh, talking about the future of technology for blind people. And uh, today on the show, I'm so pleased to welcome Ned Desmond. He is the creator and he's the executive producer of Site Tech Global. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Double Tap, Ned. Thanks, Stephen. It's great to be here with you. So let's start off with the obvious question, right? What is Site Tech Global for those who who don't know? Well, Site Tech Global is a a virtual online event, which is free to all participants. And what we do with this uh, show is we have experts, technologists, um, and product uh, developers who work on accessibility tech, uh, specifically for blind people. And uh, most of what we do engages with uh, the AI category, the artificial intelligence category of technology, because so many of the advances in recent years uh, that have made the uh, lives of blind people um, uh, more manageable uh, stem from work on the AI side. And uh, a lot of the folks we have on the show are the experts from Apple and Google and Microsoft and uh, Amazon and companies like that, which are at the forefront of a lot of this work. So that's that's our main focus, to help people who are curious about these advances uh, get the inside take 
from the specialists who are really doing the work. I guess you do talk about current tech, but you're kind of looking ahead to the future a little bit as well, aren't you? You're future gazing to some degree. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're, I would say we start with the most recent things that are being released, and then we talk quite a lot about what's just over the horizon, what's, what's coming out. So for instance, we um, uh, talk about the beta release of what's called Be My AI, which comes from the wonderful Be My Eyes team, where they uh, tried to use AI quite successfully uh, in place of human operators to help out people who are using the Be My Eyes app to um, figure out what was in front of them using their cameras for, for folks who are familiar with that. Uh, or we are talking to APH, America Printing House for the Blind, about their new uh, dynamic tactile display, which um, is, is going to be a huge breakthrough in the education category. Not released yet, but uh, we've tracked it for three years since development in a series of conversations. And uh, the uh, device is actually coming out in the spring. So you're absolutely right. We, we try to just be just over the horizon uh, talking about things that are on the way and uh, uh, are exciting to folks who want to use them. And how does Ned Desmond fit into all this? How did you get involved in this area? That's a great question. Um, this event uh, is free to anyone who wants to participate, but we um, generate revenue from it uh, through sponsorships from a lot of companies that uh, support the assistive tech world. And that revenue goes uh, not to SciTech Global, uh, but to the Vista Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired, which is a local services agency here in Silicon Valley that's been around for 75 years and uh, does great work with about 3,000 people a year uh, who have all stages of, of vision loss. Um, they are a nonprofit, and this uh, event is essentially a fundraiser for them. We came up with this idea at the start of the pandemic. Um, my wife happens to be blind, and uh, she works closely with the Vista Center. The Vista Center uh, had a, a heavy reliance on in-person fundraising events, and the pandemic shut most of those down, and they really needed a new idea. Uh, and it just happened that I was rolling off my uh, job, which I ran a business, a media business called TechCrunch for many years, which is focused on tech and does a lot of events. And uh, as a consequence, I have a great Rolodex of speakers and uh, sponsors and all that sort of thing. So I volunteered to put together a new type of event, virtual, online, as we've discussed, that uh, could attract a great audience, uh, could showcase the fact that we're here in Silicon Valley. And uh, we hoped at the time raise uh, some, some good funds to help keep Vista afloat. And it's all come true. So we're now in our fourth year it's functioning very nicely as the big fundraiser for the Vista Center. And it does double duty because it's uh, got a nice global audience of several thousand people every year who really enjoy hearing from these, these creators, these makers, these technologists who are out there uh, building the next generation of tech and taking advantage of AI and things like that. So it's, uh, it's been a very gratifying project. That's an incredible story. I mean, you know, it's, it's a real personal story mixed with your own business, fusing it all together and, and creating something wonderful that helps other people. I mean, you must be very proud of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I, that's, that's a very nice summation. And I, I, I think it's just about being right place, right time, uh, as is the case with so many things. And just uh, as my dad always said, keep your eyes open and your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely had my eyes open, and I didn't have my mouth shut, so I didn't really take his advice. But uh, <laughs> it was it was fortunate so, that all of us sort of saw the opportunity and jumped on it when it was there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, talk about the the role artificial intelligence has to play in accessibility for us, because that's going to be a major theme 
at the event. And, and I think that, you know, it is, you know, everything is, every conversation is about AI. Everything is about AI. And we've seen what, you know, Be My AI, of course, being a brilliant example of how AI can be used for good in our community. But where else can it go? How else can it help us, do you think? That's uh, such a great question, Stephen. It's hard to know where to begin, to be honest. Uh, someone once quipped that once AI becomes an everyday occurrence, it's no lo- people don't think of it as AI any longer. And uh, in this sense, we're already surrounded by AI. So there's when we use Google Maps, for instance, that's very much an AI-driven product. When we use uh, Amazon's Alexa, that's a very much an AI-driven product. Uh, there are so many things that we're already using day to day. Now, what's really been important in the uh, uh, blindness community in the past couple of years is the ability for a person to take a picture with their camera and then have the AI identify what's in the picture. So when Apple first released this a couple of years ago, it was a very big deal. Everyone thought that was incredible. And now just two years later, uh, we're at a completely different stage where the new AIs, which some people refer to as generative AIs, uh, these are the AIs that um, are uh, have become really well known as a result of the work at an organization called OpenAI. Uh, you can actually do a lot more with the image. You can uh, ask the AI to tell you more about the image, to describe the people in the image, to ask to tell you the colors, uh, and so forth and so on. So you can actually have a conversation about the image with the AI. Uh, which is a, a remarkable breakthrough. Uh, another thing that's that's right on the horizon, and uh, I've already experienced this myself, are driverless taxis in San Francisco. So Waymo and Cruise uh, uh, launched in San Francisco a commercial operation where you can hail a taxi that doesn't have a driver, and it gets you where you're going. Uh, it's far from perfect. Uh, Cruise has had a big setback, but Waymo's still in it. And uh, again, big big win for folks who are blind. Why? Uh, why isn't Uber good enough? Because if you ask any person who navigates the world uh, without sight, they'll tell you that uh, frequently an Uber driver or a Lyft driver will turn away if they see a seeing eye dog because they don't want a dog in the vehicle. Uh, and also as a person without sight, it's, it's a little bit stressful to get in a vehicle with somebody you don't know, whereas getting in a, in a driverless vehicle uh, is doesn't have any of that kind of pressure. So that's another huge step forward. Um, and I think what a lot of people are really looking forward to is the fusion of a lot of experiences into the idea of uh, an all-purpose AI agent that you can interact with as a blind person who knows um, what you do, has, has a sense of who, who you are as a person, the routes that you walk, the concerns that you have, uh, and is able to use a camera on your phone and the navigation and inertial guidance and GPS on your phone and other um, data inputs to uh, effectively really um, be a, a kind of guardian. Uh, that's maybe not the best word, but a companion uh, to help out with the tasks that are a little challenging sometimes if you don't have vision. So uh, it's all accelerating. Um, it's not without its downsides. I should mention, uh, as probably a lot of your viewers know, that these generative AIs are far from foolproof. Uh, they always sound great when you're interacting, interacting with them in a verbal way, uh, but they don't always give you the right answer because they don't know, in a sense, they aren't. Uh, uh, they don't have a capacity to know whether the answer is right or wrong. <clears throat> all they know is that from a sort of mathematical probabilistic 
standpoint that this answer probably sounds right. So that's one of the big challenges right now for these AI scientists is to uh, try to filter out the inaccurate information that these AIs sometimes put out there so that people can really rely upon it, uh, in, especially in, in um, you know, uh, tricky situations like navigating the streets or something like that. It's hard to balance sometimes the, the dangers of AI or the potential dangers of AI and the benefits that it can bring to our community, right? Because there are so many benefits to us, but there are wider dangers to consider outside of the benefits that it brings to us. Absolutely. Um, and this is, of course, the big debate in the AI community. Um, should AI be allowed to develop without any controls or accountability on the part of the companies and the technologists working on it? Uh, uh, recently, there was in the news, of course, this big debate about the future of open AI, that organization I mentioned earlier that uh, Sam Altman and others created a few years ago. And there was a dispute there among the leaders as to whether they should uh, just go full throttle um, on the assumption that whatever they built would be good for humanity and nobody should worry about it. Uh, versus another side of the equation, which said another group of people in the leadership who said, no, we should proceed much more safely. Uh, we should uh, spend more time trying to define what the what is safe AI versus just AI run amok. Um, and I would say that right now the uh, competitive juices in Silicon Valley have have uh, <laughs> steered us in the direction of let's just go for it. And um, <laughs> the we have a very thoughtful session at SciTech Global with the uh, professor at Berkeley, uh, Stuart Russell who uh, wrote the book Human Compatible, and he's one of the top experts on, on AI globally, and probably many of his students are among the founders of these companies uh, in Silicon Valley today that are building the AIs. And his point uh, was that the, this particular uh, type of AI, which is sometimes referred to as generative AI, as I mentioned, or, or LLMs, large language models, um, it, it won't most likely evolve into this all-encompassing artificial general intelligence that takes over the world uh, just because of the limits of that particular approach to the technology. However, the tools that can be built with it that can get up to mischief are really um, pretty head-spinning because the technology is so powerful. So it's uh, its potential for misuse is, is spectacular. And if you think about the ways the internet's misused today, uh, uh, if you imagine that um, many hundreds of times over more sophisticated, more complicated, more convincing, all of the bad business that AI could get up to, um, it's, uh, it's pretty concerning. So, um, And then there are many other facets to these AIs that are uh, of concern, in, especially in communities that feel like they might uh, be uh, under pressure in different ways. Uh, due to bias or profiling or things like that. Uh, AIs, uh, we've known for some time, are also, because they rely on data that essentially comes from the human world, uh, prone to the, making the same misjudgments about people based on their circumstances or appearances or backgrounds. And that's another area of, of uh, deep concern. It's an interesting juxtaposition you've got at SciTech Global because two themes you've mentioned already is a very new and emerging and continually emerging technology that is artificial intelligence. Not that it's new. I mean, it's been around for many years, many decades, but certainly for most people, OpenAI really brought it to the fore, I think, and made it usable by the mainstream. But then you've got that next to Braille, 
which is an ancient technology, right, in some ways. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of been brought back to life uh, even more so. And not that it was going away, because people who read Braille and use Braille love it and will always will. And, you know, I'm a, a huge champion of Braille. I think more children who are low vision need to learn it. And I say that at every possible occasion I can, because I think it just needs to be said. Uh, it can't just be for blind children. It has to be for every child who's low vision, because who knows the future, right? So I look at the advances in technology around Braille, and I think, wow, you know, what an incredible way that this technology, this this no, ancient form of writing, can continue. Uh, yeah, it's 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 you you hit it just exactly right, Stephen. <laughs> Braille. Um, there's been a lot of good work done to um, make Braille uh, help Braille escape the the print page, you might say, the embossed page. I guess to be more uh, specific. Yeah. And so uh, electronic Braille readers have been around for some time. And then in the past couple of years, uh, this Korean team uh, really took a radical step forward. And, and they're featured at, at SciTech as well with the launch of what they call the dot pad, which really improved on the on the electronic Braille reader and, and took it a big step further, which is to make it a big display, almost like a, a Braille monitor, which can show images and uh, a lot more, and also has an astonishingly fast refresh rate and can show multiple lines of Braille, uh, which hadn't really been done before. So they, they from a mechanical standpoint, dramatically improved uh, the, the Braille experience. And now uh, they didn't quite see this coming, uh, but it's still kind of remarkable. And, and we have a great session with um, uh, Greg Stilson from APH, which is using the dot pad to build its Monarch which is an adaptation of that dot pad for the education market. And Greg talks a lot about how the advent of generator is, is going to intersect in a really beneficial way with uh, these new Braille devices, because you'll be able to um, basically summon an image uh, from uh, a voice command or a type command from a generative AI, and then that image would appear in a Braille format on 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 the screen on this on this dynamic tactile display. Uh, at the same time, um, this is a little bit beyond my uh, ability to describe very well, but uh, there's a lot of anticipation that the uh, OpenAI uh, generative AI will um, learn Braille, and it's uh, it's very interesting. We have Chancy Fleet talking about this and some others in another session saying that uh, right now there it's really annoying that uh, Braille doesn't compute in generative AI. And a couple of friends of mine, including uh, 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 Millet from uh, Amazon and others, said, well, let's write to Sam Altman and ask him when that's going to happen. And so we did. I wrote to Sam Altman and said, when's it going to happen? He said, we're working on it. And that's a pretty credible uh, response from Sam well, Altman because uh, OpenAI did You got do, that response? I did. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, we, I, I mean, I don't know Altman personally, but from my days at TechCrunch and so forth, I'm you know generally in touch with these guys, at least from the standpoint of sending them an email. And um, but it was in fact OpenAI that agreed to work with Be My Eyes and give them exclusive early access to the API that allowed them to build Be My AI. So um, Be My and uh, Mike Buckley talks about this in the session that we do with Be My Eyes. It's really pretty fabulous. He says, we just had this idea. Maybe we should call OpenAI and see if they would work with us on a prototype for an AI-based version of Be My Eyes. 
and um, uh, uh, they got in touch with a product manager at OpenAI. And before they knew it, they had an exclusive invitation to participate in this not yet released um, beta for the visual side of, of, of OpenAI's generative AI. And the result is, is what you see. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was pretty cool that Sam Altman responded, but I also thought, you know, they, they probably really are working on this because after all, they all they have an awareness of this community and and the things that would like to see happen. And also the phenomenally techie quality of so many people uh, in the blindness community. And a lot of them are uh, are part of the show. Matt King from Meta, Josh Miele from Amazon, Greg Stilson from APH, uh, Chansey from the uh, Chansey Street from the uh, New York Public Library. A lot of the greatest minds really putting these pieces together for the blindness community are part of the show. And um, and uh, I think one of the nice benefits of the show is is that probably people who are outside that community can watch it and get a really good understanding of what's important, what's needed, where the guardrails need to be. Uh, from listening to these uh, insanely great people uh, talk about their take on tech. That's really the most gratifying part of the show. Yeah, sounds amazing. So how can people uh, watch along and uh, also, I guess, catch up if they miss it? Well, uh, if they uh, on December 6th and 7th, starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time, uh, the show rolls. Uh, there's a way if you go to the website, sitetechglobal.com, uh, you can register and if you register, we'll send you an email that uh, lets you know how to join the show. Um, but if you don't want to register, that's okay, too. Uh, we like to make the show as easy to access as possible. So if you just come to sitetechglobal.com uh, on those days, except December 6th and December 7th at 8 a.m., uh, you'll see a big link that says join the show, and uh, you're in. Uh, you don't have to register. You don't. Obviously, it's free. So there's no, no money to be paid, no fooling around with registration. You'll just find a big page uh, that has a YouTube player at the top where the uh, main stage session is playing. And uh, associated with that is an agenda link where you can go to the agenda and tab up and down the agenda page uh, to uh, find the sessions that you're interested in and maybe bookmark them if you want to come back later. So it's uh, it's very straightforward to participate and um you know, we expect we already have a few, uh, couple thousand people registered and usually quite a few more people than that uh, join the show at different points uh, uh, because it's so easy to access. Unlike, you know, a lot of more complicated shows where you have to register and pay and that sort of thing. No, I, I think this is fantastic. I honestly cannot wait to uh, find oh, out more. I, I know about your event and I've been interested in it i don't get a chance there's just no t not enough time in the day sometimes but i'm going to make time for site tech global this year because you i'm could. really fascinated in these conversations uh ned it's been wonderful talking to you come back soon thank you thanks so much for your time Stephen. i appreciate it amazing conference can't wait to find out more about it and follow it online as uh, we heard there from ned and of course we'll be following all of the news from that because some of those conversations, Sean, are going to be really interesting to follow up on, just especially around AI, because that's what everyone's talking about, right? But yeah. how specifically it can benefit us and take into account all the challenges as well. So, yeah, really interesting. Uh, that's it for us today. Uh, lots more conversation to come, of course, on all of the big topics uh, here. And uh, on tomorrow's show, we are hoping to be joined by the crew from the Accessible Android podcast and website to talk all about, guess what? Android. I know, Android on this show. Well, after they hear this show and how Android was handed back, yes, I'm sure they're clamouring to come on. <laughs> we love you. Please come on. 
It's not an Android show, honest. But <laughs> but we are going to be talking about Android tomorrow because, of course, Seeing AI launched over there. Very Woo. interesting. Uh, also, uh, the big news about TopBack getting uh, big updates in 14.2. I think it is, or 14.2. Yes. I think we're on to already. Uh, so we're going to get the latest on that. And also all the other Android news as well. So the guys from uh, the show joining us on tomorrow's episode of Double Tap. Join us for that if you can. Uh, don't forget, Express is back at the weekend. Part, part. Thank you. And uh, we are back tomorrow with even more of Double Face. Tap nonsense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Don't forget the website as well for all the very latest news and uh, updates on all our conversations. You can go check it all out now at doubletaponair.com. Sean, catch you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. These gloves are really nice. Really nice. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.